Welcome in episode 188, and this episode is brought to you by Vibes High Fidelity Earplugs. Vibes Earplugs are designed, they're really high quality, they're designed especially for musicians, they're comfortable, they're discreet, and instead of blocking and muffling the sound like cotton balls or foam earplugs would do, they just reduce the volume down to a safer level, they actually reduce it by 22 decibels. Uh, but yet you can still hear a full range of frequencies. I use these often when I'm practicing. I also take them to every gig in case I need to wear earplugs at the gig. Um, they come in a nice, small, discreet little pocket-sized carrying case so I can just toss them in my front pocket and they're always there. They also come with three, three interchangeable ear tips, which are made of a soft silicone, so you can kind of customize the fit to match your ear. Um, so yeah, so if you want to order a pair, here's the deal. Visit discovervibes.com that is discover d-i-s-c-o-v-e-r-v-i-b-e-s.com discovervibes.com use the promo code modern15 that is m-o-d-e-r-n-15 that will get you 15% off your purchase plus free shipping if you're in the United States of America again that's discovervibes.com promo code code especially for podcast listeners is modern15 That'll get you 15% off plus free shipping in the U.S. Yeah, so check it out. If you don't have any high-quality earplugs, now's the time. Take advantage of this discount. Um, now let's talk about our intro beat. This is Dave Epstein. So David is adapting a Liberian welcome dance called the Fanga Rhythm that he learned out of a book called Conga Joy. Um, so he's playing the groove, and then he overdubs some toms, then adds some bells, and then some adds some shakers. And then he says he's playing what he remembered of the melody from the traditional chant. Um, and so he played that on a MIDI keyboard, added a bass line, and here's what we got. So he's playing a Ludwig club date kit from 2018 with a 12, 14, 20 setup. Ludwig 5x14 Black Beauty, some 17, or uh, 17, 1970 Zildjian 15-inch New Beats, uh, Zildjian K Custom Dark Crashes. He has the Big Fat Snare Drum Quesadillas on the snare and toms. He's got a bling ring on the hi-hats. He's using an LP red and blue jam blocks. Yeah, let's check it out. So this is David Epstein's beat. Bro, I'm spent. I think I mislabeled it. Is this episode 188? Does anyone I don't know? know. <laughs> Bro, I'm point. just I'm I'm hanging on by a CrossFit thread right now. <laughs> I forgot how taxing these camps are, uh, and this is one of those years, or this is one of those camps, I, I should say, where uh, the first camp is always slightly—I wouldn't say difficult, but it's definitely intense because it's my first time testing out this new material. Every year, I write new material for right. the camp, and so there's that. But then there's also the fact that. This is like one of those things where I always say, like, you know, we won the camp lottery where everyone here in attendance is just such an amazing person. So I'm putting so much emotionally into each camper and their growth. And, and even the way the camp is laid out, it's kind of laid out for daily achievements. So there's the every mm. single day. It's like, oh, my God. Like we had this guy, Jeremy, here, who I'm just calling uh Jeremy 182 because he just grew up loving Blink and you can just tell in his style he's a firefighter he's got a he's got a real job he doesn't need to do this but you can tell in his style he loved himself some Travis yeah, that's and great. and that's his thing and, and when he plays he has a very uh, late 90s early 2000s sound where he learned everything by ear plays everything but it, it has that Chad Sexton Adrian Young 
Travis Barker vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of our cor- or one of our classes, our daily classes, is the feel of the day. So I put on a drumless track. Everyone has to get out on the kit, and they're not trying to learn the song. They're trying to create the feel that would go with that song. So okay. one of them was country, and it was like a country ballad. And Jeremy182 gets out there, and we just lost our minds. He's the greatest country session drummer alive. <laughs> he had no idea. We ha- He'd never even listened to this kind of music. And all of us were like... Is this weird or is this really good? And he kind of, I pressed the space bar and he looked into the control room like, am I nailing this? And we were like, dude, you need to stop being a firefighter and and move to Nashville. You are a country session drummer. So things like that, where a camper has a win for the day, that stuff just, I mean, you, that's such an emotional high. Because, I mean, to him, he was like, I've never even considered playing anything like this, but this opens so many possibilities. I was like, dude, you have a natural feel for that stuff. I mean, it literally sounded like Shannon Forrest. It was, everyone was freaking out. Um, cool. So it was really cool, man. And, and every one of the campers has had one of those moments. So it can be a little taxing. How are you doing? I don't know. I'm good. I'm fine. Happy Good Friday. <laughs> Bro, you're at the man cave. <laughs> yeah, I'm home today. We are closed, but... Uh, um, I'm still working, so here we are. I did. Um, I'm reviving my snare of the week series. I kind of let it let it go for about a month, and I've had a few requests. So I did. Yesterday, I did my Superphonics. I waited until 24 episodes in to finally <laughs> feature the Superphonic. Yeah, man. So that's fun. I mean, I'm just messing around. It's it's nice to have a morning to just be in the studio, just messing around. Um, like I just put up a video this morning where. For whatever reason, I got inspired to play a certain thing, and I did my Ableton Live convert to MIDI thing, and it was like, oh, that's kind of magical. Sweet. I'm glad. Because oh, I've been in a really big funk, like creatively wanting to do nothing but lay on the couch kind of vibe. And this oh, was man. like, hey, cool. That just happened. Life doesn't suck anymore. Let's go. <laughs> Isn't that weird? I mean, we all go through it, but it's such a weird thing that yeah, it's so I, I think the only thing that allows us to not you know go too far on the negative is that we all have gone through it so many times that now you can recognize the funk like okay it's yeah. where i'm at yeah. and i just have to wait for something to to change it sometimes it's just a loop in ableton sometimes it's a blue sparkle 1960s gresh round badge kit what <laughs> i don't know maybe progressive jazz sizes so have you had a chance to really mess around with it? No it it showed up uh i mean we're playing it every day but i haven't uh I haven't. I can't change the heads because I'm waiting for Aquarian to make me their modern vintage, or maybe it's American vintage, but their larger hoops with single ply texture coated mm-hmm. heads. So I'm waiting on those. So uh, yeah, somebody's like, "What are those cool muffling devices?" And I was like, "Oh, that's called gaff tape over the Remo logos," because <laughs> <laughs> I'm an Aquarian artist. And uh, he's like, "Oh, never mind." And then, uh, but Chris Brady gave me a thumbs up on the comment. I was like, "Yeah, sorry, I just have to do that." But uh, I did change out the batter bass drum head, and the standard Aquarian head fit with that one fine. I mean, the problem seems to be it's it, it's a two sided problem with modern heads and vintage drums. And you know much more than I do, so let me know if I'm wrong. But it seems like there's the problem: that the shell is slightly oversized, but then the wrap it doesn't meet together it overlaps so yeah. you have to get the Super rim yeah. over the the double wrap so yeah. um so yeah so i've left the heads on there but so far uh we're in a little bit of trouble because i love it <laughs> like love it and now yeah. can you can i can't describe it can you describe it in, god no it's an my guitarist right? came in 
it's totally intangible. My guitarist came in last night. So the band played for the campers last night. And as soon as I played it, my bandmates were losing their mind, but they didn't know why. Then they both played it. Both of my bandmates are, are decent drummers. Uh, my guitarist is a great drummer, and my bass player is a pretty good drummer, too. They both sat down and played it, and they were speechless. They were like, it's not that it's better. It just is, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> and I was like, I I know. I it's, it's a thing. And I really think, like, I just have to assume these drums didn't sound like this in 1960. Like, this is how they sound 60 years old. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, I, w- I guess so. I mean, that's probably why acoustic guitars and stuff are so much more valuable over time. But and it's probably why our 1920s Ludwig's, uh, the you know nickel over brass, <laughs> sound exactly like they probably did in 1920 because yeah. metal doesn't age the way wood ages. Yeah, it's know? pretty interesting. And yeah, I was hoping you'd have some adjectives, but. I can't. I can't. Describe you know. It. I mean, the adjective is is vibe. Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, how good are you at beeping things out in a podcast? I can do that. <laughs> okay. Because because my band coined that drum set. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. So that's my drum set's name. That's, uh, I don't even know. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> All right. I was mm. just having a discussion about um, expletives in the magazine. <laughs> okay. Well, if you want to leave that in, that's fine. I didn't. I didn't name it that. That's what my band called it. Anyways, moving on. Uh, so yeah, the vibe. The vibe is there. Oh, I'm sweating. Uh, <laughs> the vibe is there for sure. It's out of control. The bass drum, though, is the best recording bass drum I've ever mm-hmm. heard in my life. Like, yep. I'm shocked. It sounds like someone sent me a sample of, oh, by the way, this is vintage bass drum, 14 by 20. <laughs> That's right. what It sounds like a sample every time. And I'm like, and yeah. I literally put a uh, sleeping <clears throat> pillow in it because I had one uh, here at the studio. And I was like, ah, I'll just throw this in there. And yeah. I left the uh, original... Uh, batter i'm sorry the original rezo head on just because dude it's got like 60 years of gigs all over it it looks amazing (laughs) yeah Yeah. i love it um i just but when i saw the original batter head i was like i'll go through that in two seconds Mm. it's just but so i left that on there there's no hole i didn't cut a hole in it of course and uh and then this is also my first time playing a 12 inch tom or any rack tom on a snare stand Mm. never done that before are you into it i love it yeah I love it. I was worried that I wouldn't be able to get it close enough to the middle of the bass drum. Like, it'd be just way off to the left from mm-hmm. the drummer's perspective. And I've got these Yamaha snare stands that they that come with their DTX kits, so they're specifically made to hold a 12-inch pad. Oh, perfect. So they're perfect for this thing, and they go just high enough, and everything's great, and it's a really lightweight stand. So I would say it's... The, I can't tell if the drum itself is just a 60s 12-inch tom that they're just kind of choked. Um, yeah. Or, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to go and uh, who's – there's a company that makes those uh, feet for yeah, the – little booty shakers. Yeah. Yeah, they work. They definitely work. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I the, – the thing is, I don't know if I want any more resonance. I love it. Yeah, like, it sounds good. It sounds good. <laughs> yeah, you get the resonance and you put more tape on it and it's like, geez, just – Enjoy the deadness. So yeah, it sounds amazing. Actually, enough talking. Let's give it a listen.
So, okay, so the big question is, yeah. what's going to be your main kit now? Yeah, so I, there is a little bit of a double whammy thing happening where the kit sounds amazing, of course, but I've also never had a colored drum set in my studio. I've never had mm. any color. It's always wood grain or maybe a, a black drum set, like flat black. I wasn't ready for how much it changed the vibe in here. I have yeah. a blue sparkle drum set, and the whole place just lit up. So I kind of don't want to lose that either, you know? Um, I So I do have a kit in the works with Gretsch right now. Not, I mean, like they're just making me a, a kit right now that I'd asked for a while back before I found this kit. So, um, yeah, but it's it's at the process area right now where I'm like, I could change the color. I could just uh. say blue sparkle, but... <laughs> Do I want two blue sparkle kit? I don't know. So, <laughs> you know, I, it's a problem for sure. I didn't, you and Carter and someone else, I think maybe Bryson Nelson, but the three of you guys all warned me, just so you know, you might actually like this thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't want to like it, like it. Like, <laughs> I'm the guy with the new stuff. Like, oh, is that the iPhone 11? Got to get that. Uh, yeah. what's, what's that thing? That's new. Got to get that. This I thing mean, is out of control though i've said it before my like the, the kit i throw in my car for just gigs is is my f- favorite ludwig kit but it's i mean i i traded microphones for it so i'm like i'll just throw it in the car it always sounds great right. but i don't really care as much about it like a brand new pristine custom kit that i know i you know i paid thousands of dollars for right but at, at the same time if like i had to sell everything i would and i'd keep that one beater kit <laughs> you know? yeah man well i mean i I definitely, when I bought this kit, uh, this one, just uh, for you out there that maybe don't know about the different vintage places you can get stuff from, uh, I, w- I talked to Bryson Nelson about this. He had nothing in stock uh, in those sizes that I was looking for at the time. And then, so I got this from Hawthorne Drum Company. I think they're somewhere around the Boston area. Pittsburgh, man. Uh, oh, yeah? Yeah. That's what I said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're trying to start on, a fight? Do, do, do your homework, bro. <laughs> you know, to me, all of it is over there. Yeah. I don't know where any of it is. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Mississippi. So I, cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, once we hit Utah, I'm out. I, I don't know anything else. But uh, so, yeah, so uh, I got it from Hawthorne Drum Company. And uh, that was the first thing I asked was, look, I'm not a collector. I don't want to collect. I want to play these drums. Is this a playable drum set? And he was like, absolutely. This is mm-hmm. a full-blown, this could be your drum set for the rest of your life drum set. It's in great condition. Uh, I mean, the only thing I'm dealing with right now so far is the spurs, uh, just because they're oh, little yeah. metal poles. So yeah. the really my only thing that I've had to do to it, uh, and I'll probably order some of those... Um, K-brakes or something? K brakes for yeah. them, um, but the only thing I've had to do so far is I just swapped out my bass drum pedal to an older DW five thousand that had the Velcro on the bottom, mm. so the bass drum pedal becomes the anchor because yep. it wasn't slipping a ton. But we're in camp. If the campers get a little aggressive, it was kind of moving forward. So other than that, it's been absolutely amazing, and it's on that new Oralex mat that we talked yes, about. Yes, you got it. So is it? Well, you swapped kits too. Did you check it with your your? I uh, did. Okay. Yeah. So I checked it uh, and. It was crazy how much it changed the resonance of the tom, especially the 12-inch tom, when I was hitting my snare. Because mm. I would tune my snare away from my kit, and it was this dry, beautiful thing, and then I'd put it on the kit, and it had all this overtone, but I could tell it wasn't snare overtone. I put my hand on the rack tom to cover the head, and the overtone was gone. So the yeah. snare was activating the whole kit, and then the kick would kind of activate the floor tom. And for those of you that maybe aren't caught up to the latest episodes of the podcast, Mike's theory on that was 
you're pretty much playing on a cajon because my stage is a hollow wooden box, really, uh, with support beams, obviously, but it's it's still a hollow wooden box. And so uh, so he recommended the Oralex drum rug. It has its own name, I'm sure, but... It's, yeah, I don't know what they call it. I think they just call it drum mat, really. I yeah, guess. the Oralex drum mat. Yeah. And really, really affordable compared to most drum rugs. It's only $300. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dude, try to explain that one to the wife. That went over well. Because I'm not endorsed by Oralex. That was straight. Call up Sweetwater, place the order, and just cross your fingers that the fight isn't too big. It's like, wait, for what? And I'm like, yes, for, well, babe, you know, my 12-inch tom is resonating when I hit my snare. So anyways, uh, I got it, and it, it really helps with that. But here's the side benefit. It helped also with my camera shake with my cameras that were on the stage. It's almost like the drum mat is absorbing the vibrations and not letting it spread past the drum mat to the rest of the stage. Really cool. Yeah. It's really heavy. It's a really heavy rug. It's not something that I would ever take to gigs. No, no, no. But I I was not prepared for how thin it would be for how heavy it was. Mm -hmm. It's so thin. Yeah. I don't know what it's made Um, of, but that thing is, it's a, it's a brick. (laughs) So yeah. So if, if any of you guys are having, uh, something where and, and they do advertise it as it would help with people in apartments that are playing electric kits as well um, it, it wouldn't be <clears throat> the savior and change everything but if you just need to uh, calm the vibrations going down a little bit at least check it out do, do a little research on it they have some great videos on it on Sweetwater where the actual rep form from Oralex is talking about it so check that stuff out on YouTube alright you ready to get in do you have anything coming up by the way for people to go check out? No. I mean, yeah, cool. I've got some right clinics on. to Moving announce. on. <laughs> we could talk about some clinics later, like, coming up. Well, no. Day of Percussion in uh, Maryland, Delaware is coming up. When is that? That is May 4th. So in a couple of weeks, I'm there. It's an all-day event. It's at Linganore High School in Frederick County, Maryland. Um, I actually went to that school my senior year for half a day so I could practice my college audition material. In my and original, attended. yeah, my original uh, percussion teacher is still the band director there. So that's May fourth. I'm the last clinic at three, but it starts at 10 a.m. So if you're in that area, the Frederick, Baltimore, D.C., uh, you know, southeast uh, Pennsylvania area, I'll be there May fourth. I don't know what the admission is. Um, if I get more info, I'll send it over. I think it's free, but it might not be. I say just whoever's taking it, you know, like the tickets at the door, just walk up, stare them straight in the eyes and go podcast <laughs> and then let, and just see what happens. Maybe they're like, oh, I didn't. Uh, yeah. Come on in. I, it's free now. We didn't know about the secret word. Uh, OK, so let's get into some warm up talk. I think warming up is something that all of us need to explore more because it's so, so individual. I don't think there's a universal way to warm up because it depends on how cooled off you are you and i get to play drums multiple hours every single day of our lives our warm-up is going to be very different than somebody that only gets to play on the weekends and should be different than somebody that only gets to play on the weekends so brandon green wrote an amazing article called warm-ups and mobility guidance in the health and science section of this issue of modern drummer so warming up let's get into it so this this is i think this is the last of the series where he's applying all of the stuff he's talked about to the drum set actually moving your limbs around the drum set so we could focus on that rather than what our pad you know our pad routine would be and it's i don't even think of it as warm-ups it's it's just getting comfortable and, and getting your body adjusted to the motions around the kit 
I had never actually practiced drum set warm-ups, but I practiced a ton of mobility exercises. Um, always go back to the, I think it was the second Steve Smith uh, video back in the like late 80s, whenever that came out. Um, he had a whole section on... Yeah, my dogs are barking. You hear that? Awesome. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. The mailman must be here. <laughs> Sweet. How many sessions have been ruined by those jerks? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I think he, he, I can't remember what he calls it, but he, he, he demonstrates like playing triplets all the way around the kit, going in awkward, you know, right to left motions and things. Right. And that's kind of what Brandon's getting at, where um, the first thing that, that, I kind of caught my attention was um, so you just play like pick a rudiment so let's say whatever doubles and then pick a subdivision so you're at your kit you start on the snare and then once you kind of feel relaxed and 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 loose move to a different drum and just and instead of paying attention to the drumming pay attention to what your muscles are doing like what's tight what's loose do you need are you leaning are you you know what's happening and just kind of readjust to get comfortable and try to maintain the same dynamics so he's he's focusing on practicing this stuff strictly from what is your body doing rather than what what's the drumming involved Um, but the kicker is you start to focus on the sound you're making so you try to make the doubles as smooth on the snare as they are on the rack tom, and then what happens is your body will then change to make the sound match. Okay. So there's all this kind of like back and forth with you. You're consciously aware of what your body's doing, then you forget about it and focus on the sound, and then your body's going to do what it needs to do to even everything out, which is interesting. And I had a, I gave a clinic at uh, UArts the other day, um, and my, you know, my my mentor there he was there watching and supporting mark DiGiani. And we had lunch afterwards and and he he pointed out one thing because i did a lot of you know demonstrating my warm-up routine on the practice pad okay and he pointed out something he's like you know your hands are really even your dynamics the sound you're producing is very even but your left stick is consistently about an inch and a half lower than your right stick oh i had no idea because i was focused on the sound of it yeah so you must be Putting more physical effort a tiny bit into to the, the left. left to, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Which I, you know, we were talking about for a minute. I'm like, that makes sense because I spent a lot of time trying to get maximum sound out of my left hand from a low height with backbeats and stuff. So I think just my muscles, if I, you know, if I match the stick height, my left hand would probably be a lot louder because I'm just used to stroking the drum at a faster rate, for sure. faster velocity. It was interesting. So now I'm going to have to start practicing in front of a mirror again and figure out what's going on and do i need Man. to change it is the big question i'm not sure yeah exactly and and the mirror is definitely the secret weapon for that kind of stuff and just seeing what you're doing uh, but i think <clears throat> you know one thing that he gets at in this article too is talking about you know should you be warming up on your pad or your drum set and his answer is yes you should both yeah, yeah exactly. um, and, I, and i think that warming up just is there's two types of warmups for me there. And he talks about that with what you mentioned, the sound and everything, but I'm trying to warm up my body for sure. I'm trying to reacquaint myself with this specific kit because I have a kit at home and it's yeah. a bop kit. It's not set up at the exact same levels as this. I have kits in my practice room. I practice a lot on my pad 
uh, and then I get here and I have this drum set. So I'm reacquainting myself with the exact angles and the exact heights, but I'm also warming up my brain. Mm-hmm. You know, totally. there are times where I sing something and then my hands don't do it. Yeah, that happened to and me so yesterday. Like, okay. I was trying to oh, play really? along to a loop and I'm like, my body is just slow. Like, what the hell's yeah. going on? <laughs> yeah, that's really common. And I think the probably the most important thing that I would say, especially for the drummers that don't get a chance to play multiple hours a day is please don't skip warming up. And it doesn't mean that it has to be this very clinical thing with stretching and very specific exercises. It's just finding a couple patterns, just like you did with the Steve Smith video. And I'm sure a lot of people did with Thomas Lang's first DVD, Mm -hmm. just finding these motion pathways around the drum set. Um, Actually, is that does Steve Smith have a book called Pathways to Motion? Yeah, I think that was his new. There we go, his new one. Yeah, <laughs> that was me thinking that I was like, I just crushed a new phrase. <laughs> Never mind, borrow that. Uh, I'm going to use a musical term. I sampled that from yeah, yeah, yeah. Steve Smith, but yeah. So uh, it's just finding those pathways that are unique, especially to your kit. Uh, Mark Juliana has a great uh, chunk in his book about mm-hmm. this exact same thing. And it's finding those, getting acquainted with the drum set, so that you are, even if you're playing, whether it's fast or slow, so you're hitting the drums in the proper place. I mean, just hitting a 14-inch floor tom, to me, is not what I'm going for. I don't want 14 inches of area that I can hit. I want the sweet spot, even when I'm flying chops around the place. So uh, I think that warming up is extremely important. You know, something else that I think is not discussed enough is where you place stuff not only is it important for comfort, but it's also important for accuracy of timing. Like if your right side crashes all the way out in right field, it's going to take a lot longer for you to get from that crash back to the hi hat. So you have to be aware that you're going to slow down just physically because it takes that much more time to get back. So that's another part of, especially when I'm playing like house kits and random clubs, the first thing I do is just kind of, air drum around like where the hell is everything because I'm not yeah. I'm not changing anything I'm just sitting down and playing right and it's like okay where is it and then what's you know is How that, that going to be weird for me to go I always had a, uh, an adjustment period when back in the day when we would do an album and then we would get ready to tour on it I was like look man I'm I, I just spent five months being session drummer guy very, very small range of motion. I wasn't showing off for anybody. Now you want me to go out on this, you know, uh, tour where we're playing to 10,000 people a night. I'm going to be, my arms are going to be swinging all over the place. My timing is going to be terrible Mm, because it's just a whole different thing. So I, I totally agree with that. The other thing I think that he mentions in here that I think is truly important is pick an exercise, something simple that you can do, do that around the kit and drastically vary the dynamics Get used yeah. to playing whisper quiet around the kit. Get used to really bringing the volume up. Those are important things, too. I try really hard not to be a drummer that just has a volume knob of loud and quiet, but that every note has its own individual option for dynamics. Yeah, and it's uh, easy to forget when you're practicing there's that comfort dynamic, but that's almost yes. never the dynamic that you actually perform <laughs> at. <laughs> almost never. It's, yeah. That's kind of what we're going through with the campers is uh, right now, we were playing yesterday, and I said, okay, 16th notes to the click. We're playing 70 BPM, no accents. I want you to play as whisper quiet as possible. And I played, I matched their dynamics, and I was on a pad. And then I moved my hands to the rack tom. 
and they were shocked at how loud it was mm. without changing the dynamics. I was yeah. like, you have to, you have to assume your pad is a marching drum. Like, yeah. I know you think you're just kind of padding out a little bit. That would be shockingly loud for it. <laughs> If you hit anything that made noise, um, I always think so, that when I see Todd Zuckerman warming up on his pad, I'm like, man, he is wailing that practice yeah. pad. <laughs> but then he goes out, but he's playing with sticks, so he's yeah, got to I mean, bring the heat. You know, but man, if he had a snare drum, everyone would be be dead. Oh, totally, <laughs> totally. Yeah, I mean, and that's something that I'm always trying to think about. If I'm on something that doesn't make noise. Um, I personally, I think we've talked about this a little bit, and this is getting a little off topic, but it does relate to dynamics. I play my electric kit at home, I'd say 98% of the time without turning the power on because I like the actual tactile feel and sound of hitting something. Mm. I can tell how, how, how loud I'm hitting it when I don't have headphones on and I just play it as a practice pad kit. When I put the phones on and then I start moving those sliders around to be like, well, I don't need to hit the bass softer. I'll just bring the volume down. But I'll keep hitting it the way I always hit it. Kind of messes with my internal dynamics. So I think warming up around the kit on your dynamics, warming up your subdivisions, warming up your your creative side of your brain. I mean, I definitely part of my warm-up is creating some sort of exercise that allows me to be creative. It could be as simple as trading one-bar fills with myself or it could be as complicated as improvising over an odd time signature ostinato with my feet doesn't matter i'm just trying to create in the moment warm up my mind warm up my body and then i'm ready to go man that reminds me i got my first eight inch tom the other day what (laughs) yeah yeah what are you talking about you got it you got (laughs) it yeah i got an eight and you were talking about setting up an ostinato that's that's what i'm going to use it for is is you know what kind of ostinato kind of vibe can I create with this eight? <laughs> with your left hand? I don't know. Maybe the right. I'm not sure. I'm just going to. It's never been done with the right. No one can do eight inch tom with the right. You have to... <laughs> You're not Klaus Hessler. I mean, the one yeah. thing I'm not going to do is set it up like I'm playing Carter Beaufort. Like it's just I'm not going to do yeah. that. So I've got an eight, a ten. Oh, so and you a might 12. you might put it on the right side of your kit. Yeah, and use it more as like a ride option. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, could I have no that. idea, but I've got it, and it's I can't wait to mess. What around. is it? Uh, Bucks County made a birch one to go with the birch kit that I have. Love it. Yeah, Love so it. it's a straight up fusion setup. I mean, it was. I told him I wanted something that was sort of recording custom Dave Weckl kind of vibe. So it's a birch kit with an eight, ten, twelve, fifteen. <laughs> you just, you just can't, you can't just open the <laughs> Sears and Robux catalog and order a damn drum set. <laughs> Got to be weird. See All you right, everybody. Let, uh, check out Brandon Green's article, Warm-Ups and Mobility Guidance in the current issue of Modern Drummer. It is time to talk about our feature drummer, Mr. Terrence Higgins. This guy uh, is—he's been around, man. This—I mean, I've—I've I've heard his name for so long, and it was yep. always stuff. It wasn't, "Hey, drummers, let me show you how amazing I am." This was like, "Okay, that's the working drummer. He's always on a different gig." Um, but t- the span of gigs that this guy has had is out of control. <clears throat> yeah, I and mean, I remember Dirty Dozen Brass Band being the exactly. first thing, so I immediately thought, "Okay, he's." 
He's a New Orleans guy. That's what he does. He does New Orleans funk, and and he'll just stay there. He'll he'll live there. That's great. Yeah. He's one of the few people that really can play that style with 100 percent authenticity. Like, great. Right. Let's do that. But yeah, he's gone on to play with John Schofield, Warren Hayes, uh, his own band Swamp Grease. He's been touring with John Medeski's band. Ivan Neville, and that makes sense. Don was, uh, but most recently, and for quite a while, Andy DeFranco. That was the one that blew me away. And when I watched the stuff, that's when I kind of just had a newfound respect for Terrence, which was it doesn't sound like a New Orleans guy bringing his thing to Annie's band. Yeah. It's playing the part. Yeah. Yeah, playing the part and playing it really well with conviction not looking bored while doing it like yep. he's in it 100% and you know i mean that's a credit to him to be able to play whatever needs to be played but when you listen to him play drum set by himself it's not like he's trying to be a reincarnation of Harlan Riley or bring back this thing it's like he plays drums it just sounds like drums yeah he just but has then that, when you put him swing. in a musical context yeah. he can do whatever he wants yeah, I saw him, um, I think he gave a PASIC clinic probably about 10 years ago. And if, to me, it felt like he was the modern version of, of what the New Orleans guys were doing. Like, he had all the history, but he also, you could tell he was a big fan of modern hip-hop and stuff. But right. at the same time, he could play those, those New Orleans beats as good as anyone I've ever heard. And it was one of my favorite clinics on New Orleans drumming because it, it was clear that, like, he did not get this stuff out of a book, <laughs> you know, like he's lived and experienced this stuff. Um, but I didn't know that I'm reading glancing through the article that Ani actually moved to new Orleans. So that's how he, oh, okay. he met her. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. He's, he's a beast. He's one of my favorites. Do we have any audio that we can play of him? Yeah. Let's drop in something, <laughs> which means no, we don't. Sorry about that. My bad. <laughs> So, yeah, that audio was um, just a little bit of stuff that Pearl had posted on their YouTube page featuring the new Session Studio Select kit. I guess it's not new. It was a few years ago it came out. But he did a nice you know, promo video for that. And that's the kit he's using on tour with Ani DeFranco. But with John Modeski, he's using a good old Pearl Vision Series kit. Shut up. Yeah, <laughs> totally. That's so awesome. <laughs> yeah. That is so awesome. Which makes just, sense. Just so you guys know, I mean, this dude is legendary. There's nothing he couldn't have. So the fact that he is <laughs> playing that is awesome. I also really dig, did you see the Finnish uh, name? Which one? The Nicotine White? <laughs> nicotine <Yeah>. White. <laughs> That's so cool. Look, we're not going to sugarcoat this at all. This is what happens to White Marine Pearl when you take it into 600 smoky clubs in 1975 through 1982. It's nicotine white marine finish. Oh, man. So, I, don't, so I, awesome. mean, I, I don't think you can blame nicotine on that, but I, I get the point. <laughs> it's, it's just uh, it's funny. Because it's, I don't know how many other finishes uh, show the effects of smoky clubs as much as White Marine Pearl does. Yeah. And that's what makes White Marine Pearl so tough. If you get one that you toured with even five years later you can't order an eight inch tom because it will be shockingly white compared to your drum set <laughs> right it's crazy uh so uh that's that's really cool though so yeah so 
I mean, even with, with Ani DeFranco, pretty decent-sized kit. He's got a, a six-piece kit, uh, multiple symbols. Uh, he's a Sabian artist, so he's got the 16-inch Artisan Elite Hi-Hats, 22-inch Remastered Thin Crash, 24-inch Artisan Elite Ride, out of boy, yep. 18-inch AAX Aero Crash, and then a 20-inch Paragon Diamondback China Crash. Yeah, the Neil Peart China with, with tambourine jingles in it. So you can tell he's there. going for, you know, a palette of, of different it makes sense yeah. so you're with singer songwriter kind of more you know each song has to have a vibe he's also has the secondary snare drum in the floor tom position which is becoming more and more popular all right everybody so check out more of terrence higgins you can find him all over youtube and check out the stuff he's doing with annie defranco really cool stuff and it it'll give you a completely different perspective on somebody that like mike said does, does the new orleans thing so well yeah, so like I said in the intro, this episode is brought to you by Vibes High Fidelity Earplugs. So make sure you go to discovervibes.com, enter the promo code MODERN15. You'll get 15% off your order plus free shipping for some really nice, high-quality high quality earplugs that will last the rest of your life. And it's only about 20 bucks if you, if you take advantage of this promo code. So again, that's discovervibes.com. Use the promo code MODERN15. That'll get you 15% off plus free shipping if, if you're in the U.S. So for about 20 bucks, you're going to get yourself a pair of earplugs that'll last the rest of your life. All right, let's get into the rest of the show. All right, so this is a gear review section, but it's actually more about us examining what a different overhead mic placement does to your drum sound. I've been doing a full-on audit of my studio trying to figure out what are the best overheads, what's, you know, what's the best microphones for my setup and... and the overheads was particularly tricky because I had to go through all the possible placements of the different mics that I have and which ones sound the best. And what I determined is best is impossible to determine. They're just different. So I had to figure out what works most appropriately for what I'm doing, I guess. So we've got a pair of Aston Origin, which is a large diaphragm condenser, not super expensive, just a couple hundred dollar microphone, uh, just cardioid single pattern um, we're doing space pair recorder man xy and ortf position and they are all of them are placed 46 and a half inches from the snare drum so i tried to make everything as consistent as possible except for where the mics are actually placed so you want to start out and just dig in yeah so i figured we listen to one kind of make an assessment listen to the next one make an assessment hopefully have some sort of conclusion by the end of it that sounds good to me so first one is spaced pair i had them just evenly spaced left to right over the kit So, once again, um, remind me: Are there? There's no other mics. There's a bass drum mic that's there four, four okay. and a quarter inches in front of the bass drum. That's got it. it. Two mics. Got it. Um, yeah, that sounds super even. I mean, I'm just. It's it's just a good reminder of if you, whatever you're doing, you can get a decent, a very decent sound with a few mics. Yeah, um, yeah. Totally. Everything sounded even to me. Um, I thought because of the height of the mics 
that maybe it would be, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm not taking your full room into consideration, but I thought it might be a little uh, big sounding, a little boomy, but it actually was really tight. Everything sounded good. Yeah, I mean, the big thing I noticed is just the spread. The symbols were very far left and right. Um, so I, I don't I don't know. If, you mean in stereo? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. yeah, so the hi-hat was like way over to the right, and the right symbol was way over to the left. Now, maybe for session work, that's ideal. I think for my purposes, demoing gear, it felt a little like disconnected. Okay. But I, if I had to use this, I totally would, and it'd be cool. So the awesome. next one is Recorder Man, which why it's called that is there's an engineer whose nickname is Recorder Man. He came up with this position. So the one mic is directly above the snare, 46 and a half inches. And then the second mic is over my right shoulder, aimed at the snare, 46 and a half inches away. Oh, okay. So it's still evenly spaced. It's yep. just different positioning. Okay. Yep. So one mic behind you, one mic right over the top. Yep. If it was a shootout for me, that wins between over those two. the first one. Yeah. yeah, mainly because I feel like the drums are now super present, mm-hmm. but just present even enough to the cymbals. Yep, I agree. And I think it feels more like you're actually sitting at the kit, um, but you're not getting any stereo separation, really. There's some, but not a lot. So that, again, if I was doing a session for someone and they're going to put 800 guitars on it and 3,000 synthesizers and stuff, this might not have enough spread. Seems like a lot of tracks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, right now you're at 3,800 tracks and you haven't even started vocals yet. Damn. Yeah, I'm sure you it's do been big done. big boy sessions. <laughs> <laughs> but I think just okay. for capturing the kit as a, as a kind of like you're standing behind the drummer vibe, this this does it really well. Nice. Uh, there is that a warning where, where if the over-the-shoulder mic is, is level with the ride cymbal, you'll get some sort of like wishy-washy phasing because the symbol is yeah. like blowing in front of the, the, the bike. But I keep my ride pretty low by comparison. Um, so the I next, really like that. That sounded great. The next one is the classic uh, XY. So the, the capsules are as close as I could get them. 90 degrees. One's aimed at the right side of the kit. One's aimed at the left side of the kit. Directly over the center of the drum set. Okay, so if I knew that you were going to then mic the entire kit, I love that setup. But mm-hmm. if that was the only setup, I still like the Recorder Man better because I felt like I heard the whole drum set more present. Um, with this, this just sounds like that thing that I would like to mix on top of a snare mic, a, a rack mic, and a floor mic. Yeah, I agree. I feel like the, the snare kind of gets 
lost. And it makes sense because the mics are actually aimed away from the snare. Yeah, the snare was the one thing that sounded kind of distant. Tom sound good, I mean, but the cymbals sound amazing. Yeah, that's a good, I think that's a good option. Um, large diaphragm condensers is not the best because it's really hard to get the mics really close. Small condensers, it's good. It's also good if, you know, if you're a really hard snare player, like you really crush the snare, it kind of gets it out of the the dominant center of the, of the mix. But I've been using XY for years, and it's actually my least favorite after doing this test. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Wow. All right, so Oof, let's go. We're about to fight there for a second. The okay. Final cool. one is ORTF, which is over the center of the kit, but the mics are now, uh, it's like six and a third inches apart, something like that. 17 centimeters, I think it is, whatever that translates to. And they are 110 degrees angled out. So it's trying to mimic the ears on a human head. Okay. So if you're if you're floating above the kit, looking straight down, that's kind of the the setup. So this is ORTF. crazy how the <clears throat> excuse me the positioning of the overheads can change the perception of the bass drum mic like how much low end i'm feeling mm. based off of just and but i'm assuming you didn't raise the level of the kick or anything no, uh, i just i could feel like a decent amount of low end in the drums on that one drum mm -hmm. sounded present i could hear everything uh i still think if you are only going to use three mic setup i still think the recorder man is my favorite out of them if that was all it was going to be uh but this one this one's interesting i've never tried this before it's i think it's going to be what i do from here on out because it offers okay. both options if it if i just do a three mic setup it kind of captures the kit everything is there but the stereo separation is nice like the hi-hats are over where they need to be the right symbols everywhere yeah. they, but it's not like the space pair is just too separated the xy is just too blurry yeah. um so I'm going with ORTF for most uh, situations now. Yeah, I mean, the kit sounded just really even with that. And it almost, I mean, especially if you're doing product reviews, you don't want to have anything that has too much personality because the whole point is for it to be almost as honest as possible. Right. So that people can judge the character. And I, I felt that, that was like a super honest setup for sure. Yeah, I like the recorder, man, but I don't want the microphone to be in camera view all the time. That's the big thing. I just so that's know. that's something that's a new problem for you know people to deal with is I had a ton of setups that I would have loved to do and people are like why don't you just do that and I'm like well because I have five cameras in here those stands are blocking this camera they're annoying to this shot so finding a balance where it's like this isn't an audio recording studio this is a video recording studio mm -hmm. that captures audio and I have to think about that stuff as well uh, but no I think this looks great and it sounds great by the way. Dude, did you revamp your lighting? Did you get a, what's going on? This thing looks incredible. Uh, no, but I was actually did you just get gonna, a black backdrop. No, it's the same. Um, I might have actually used a real camera. I don't. <laughs> I don't remember. Something's going on. I, I mean, think I'm just. I mean, I'm just like anything else. I'm practicing how to actually work with Final Cut to get it to to look real. Yeah, your color correction's great. I mean, the one thing that we all 
completely lucked out on as drummers, as long as you have coded heads, is we have a great white balance point on our drum set. Yeah, true. So yeah. Just click the little white balance eye droplet on your, on your coded head, and then and some. I mean, most of the times it'll work, but your your drum set, your cymbals, your skin tone. I shouldn't be judging all this stuff, but I can't <laughs> not. It all looks really good. Um, and then, did you purposely? I mean, you have a little RGB over to your left. There's red, green, and blue. Like that is the most perfect color checker. What is all that That's stuff? That's hilarious. The red is a tape measure. Okay. The green is my uh, bum chum seat uh, motor. It's the okay. engine, and the blue is I think it's a cable tie. <laughs> but I mean, they are literally the RGB from from learning how to do your color correction. That is incredible. Well done, buddy. That's hilarious. Well it's done. funny. I was going to actually ask you how do you deal with lighting for multiple cameras because I like this looks good straight on maybe off to the left slightly anywhere else it's just a blown out mess yes so one thing is lens hoods come into play because they're going to block so what happens is once your camera comes around then that light starts going straight into the lens which makes everything look cloudy and it Mm -hmm. just looks silly and so uh, it's tough that's why overhead lighting is so great getting your lights up nice and high and then uh, it, it takes a while for sure, and you just have to... Everything you did with these microphones, you have to do that with lighting. Like, move it around, move it around. And then who's the focus? Are you the focus? I am when I'm teaching. Or is the kit the focus? Then you yeah. can kind of not worry about how the light is affecting your face. But, yeah, just do this. This looks good. <laughs> but I can't get the whole kit in that angle. I know. It's a but pain it in good. the butt. My room's too small. <laughs> uh, you just need a, a wider lens. What's what's your lens? Do you know? I have just a regular kit lens. I haven't bought an actual <laughs> wide angle. You, <laughs> so much. I'm going to send you a lens for Christmas. Everybody, check out Mike Dawson's videos uh, early January. They are going to be shockingly awesome after he gets his Christmas present from me. All right, everybody. So those are the Aston Origin mics. Uh, you can check this out. Where can they find this video session? Uh, it, there are, the Aston demos are all up on Modern Drummer. If you look for the Aston microphone review, which I think is maybe coming out in the next issue, but the the links for them are in the show notes as well. They're on my awesome. YouTube channel as well because it was a dual purpose kind of project. Um, okay, listener question time, right? Let's do it. All right, let's see. What do I got here? First one is, this is a good one. This is from Jay Cookson, and he sent this twice, so he really wants us to answer it. I am truly the worst halftime shuffle player on the planet. I've watched <laughs> I've watched every video available through the wonders of modern technology and dedicated some serious practice time to the endeavor of trying to be able to play this grooviest of grooves. Alas, after listening to a recorded to me playing along to Rosanna, I confirmed that I am still terrible. Help me, please. I'm looking for a new approach as I think that I have attempted all the good stuff out there. Any ideas? And so, first of all, we've all felt like that with that same groove, but it is really hard to diagnose it without seeing you play. Um, and really, because it's it's tough to know what is the problem. Is it your shuffle? Like, get rid of the ghost notes Get rid of the extra kicks. Can you play a halftime shuffle with no ghost notes and just two and four on the snare and kick on one and three? And can you make that feel good? If so, I would introduce one ghost note, the last one right before beat one. 
uh, almost, and you know, I think people get Rosanna wrong a lot because in the first couple four bars that he plays it, he's not ghosting through the whole thing. Yeah, he Jeff builds has it like gradually. One or two ghost notes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would just slowly build that up. The other thing too is, I seem and I can only judge you based off of what I see in other drummers without seeing you play. But a lot of people have this groove set in their mind and it comes set with a tempo and they refuse to practice it slower. Mm, and I'm like, right. I don't understand. You keep, you physically can't do this. Just slow the hell down. And they're like, no, 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 I got it. I'm like, but you don't. So just what, what is the deal? Drop down to 40 <laughs> BPM and enjoy the heck out of it, man. Um, but uh, yeah, so you are more than welcome to send me a video. I will happily watch you play and give you any diagnostic after that. What about you, Bo? I would say thinking of it as the halftime shuffle is probably the first mistake. It's it's okay. a it's a shuffle. So right, you have to work shuffle. on your shuffle, like regular shuffle. It's just a shuffle that instead of having the snare drum on two and four, it's on three. Right. So if you think, how many years did Jeff Ricaro play? shuffle like traditional shuffles and blues grooves how many years did bernard purdy play 12 8 and regular shuffles and john bonham was in a blues band before led zeppelin so you know he played a ton of 12 8 and regular shuffles so i think if you're not versed in the shuffle feel the halftime shuffle is always going to be a foreign object so i would say dig back and do some basic blues drumming before you try to tackle which i think is probably the you know, the high art of shuffle would be the Jeff Beccaro shuffle. Like, just, just groove on a nice, regular blues double shuffle for a while. There you go. Um, I can't find any other questions because my printer didn't work. Let's see. That's okay. I I I've got it. eight campers standing outside of a door waiting for their <laughs> photo shoot today. <laughs> All uh, right. Well, let's... We're doing a morning photo shoot today, so... Let's leave it at there. Uh, I could use some more questions, so please email them over mdinfo at moderndrummer.com. Um, I know we have more, but my printer ran out of ink, so I've got a bunch of blank pages staring at me. So we haven't gotten to your question. We will soon, hopefully next week when everything is back in work in order. Oh, um, pick now of the week it's time for Picks of the Week. Yeah, man. So my Pick of the Week is going to be something we discussed earlier in the podcast. I'll just give you the details on it now. So it's the Oralex Hovermat. That's the name of it. Uh, the Oralex Hovermat. It's a 6x4 drum isolation rug. Like I said, it's not cheap. This thing is $339, uh, but it does its job really well. Um, it decouples your kit from hollow floors. Everything that Mike told me it would do um, provides a tighter, more focused sound. Yes, I'm reading this off of Sweetwater.com. <laughs> it's also perfect for on stage or in the studio. Uh, so, uh, but yeah, so it's a it's made from Oralox's sheet block sound barrier material, and then there's drum rug material on top of that. So, uh, if you have kind of like I mentioned, my kit is sliding away from me a little bit. My bass drum is because it just has old school spurs. When I attached a bass drum pedal that had a Velcro bottom. It worked perfect on this drum rug. Uh, and even though we're saying that it's this sound deadening thing, it's like I said, it's shockingly thin. It yeah, it's no thicker than any rug you've ever seen. I promise you that. Because when I when the box got here and I tried to lift the damn thing, <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh man, this is gonna be some squishy, foamy thing where I'm gonna be surfing all over the drum kit. Not the case at all. It's really thin. Uh, so yeah, the Oralex Hovermat six by four portable drum isolation rug. Check it out. I would offer one warning with that. If you're already in a basement with your drum set, it's not going to do anything. 
Like it's completely agree. You have to have a floor that's actually resonating. So you have to be above ground or a wood floor or a platform or something. So you're going to waste your money if you're in a basement because your floor is already as dead as it'll ever be in your in a basement. All right, my pick of the week is Pedrito Martinez Music on Instagram. If you're not following Pedrito Martinez's page. Uh, I say do it immediately and scroll to the clips where he's playing duo with a pianist. So Pedrito is a pretty sure he's Cuban uh, percussionist, singer, band leader. He has a duo project with this pianist and it's some of the most insanely like foreign sounding Afro-Cuban interpretations to me because it's the real stuff. Like there's one clip if you just scroll down, it's probably a couple of weeks back, but it's the first one where it's him sitting in front of the pianist, and he has left, he has a cowbell on his left foot. He's playing clave that doesn't doesn't shake at all with his left foot, and the rhythms he's playing on top of it have absolutely, I cannot figure out how they fit at all. Staring at it right now, I can't <laughs> wait. I, I was like tempted to press it, but I don't want to mess it up with sound. But I'm, I'm looking forward to checking it out. is again like yeah we can try to learn how to play these these folkloric styles but that he's speaking a different language man that's a whole different language and it's beautiful it's magic i hope he enjoys the instagram bump he's about to get (laughs) dig it that's it we're out of here i think i don't know who our outro beat is who's our outro This professional podcast has been brought to you by Modern Drummer Magazine. This is Dario. He sent in another beat, so Dario's going to send us out this week. (laughs) 